Hey there, and thanks for tuning in. I've added this note to the beginning of my most recent and highest downloaded episodes to let you know of a few changes and hopefully avoid any confusion for you as listeners. You will hear me call the show Life After Business as well as reference various ventures I've been a part of over the years. When I started the show, I originally named it Life After Business because I was on a mission to learn everything I wish I would have known before we sold our family business back in 2014. And after 200 episodes and Tons of information that I've learned. I finally decided to change the name to better reflect me, the content, and the guests. One of the biggest lessons I've learned is business owners and entrepreneurs who were the happiest and most successful, in my mind, didn't focus only on sucking all the cash out of the company, and they knew the business was going to eventually continue on without them at some point in time. They literally knew exactly what they wanted from their business long term and why. They intentionally focused on building a valuable company so they could have the freedom of choices to do what they wanted from the business. So they focused on strategies that would grow value long term and give them the freedom to choose. You can learn more about the name change, my major lessons, and our definition of intentional growth in episode 200. Enjoy the episode that you're listening to right now, and thanks for being a listener. Welcome to Life After Business, the podcast that helps you understand how to increase the value of your business, what your company is worth, and what your exit options are. Host Ryan Tansom and his guests give you all the information you need to get clarity and control over your business and take pride in a valuable company that gives you freedom and choices to exit on your terms. Welcome back and thanks for tuning in. This is episode 193 and I appreciate you dialing back in. If there's any luck, you've secured your PPP funding, you've got some money coming in and I just wish you the best as you're probably handling all the conversations with your employees, your suppliers, your vendors, keeping morale up, keeping your sanity, whether you're at home or however your your new norm is right now in your working environment. I just hope that we can be bringing you as many resources as possible to make this current journey and the future future journey as easy as is possible and giving you the ability to connect dots to resources and strategies better. Today's episode is a, is going to be a fun one because Elon Jacobson is back on the show. He's a, one of the top investment bankers from up in Canada, and we have a whole conversation and dialogue that we have going back and forth about the economy, what the new norm is going to look like from a business climate, valuations. And before I give you uh, the, all the cliff notes of what we're going to be covering in this episode, I want to just do a little bit of a an update on my business model and how we've pivoted over the last three and a half weeks, which I know everybody has, but we've spent a lot of time to make sure that we are timely, relevant, and resourceful for you and for entrepreneurs out there that are dealing with a new norm. The first thing that we've done that's going to be most pertinent and relevant to you right now is we created a little mini video series, which is called Mastering Your Cash Flow. And we have a 13-week cash flow statement in there, six different videos that teach you how to fill it out. It's a dynamic tool so you can actually take you, your staff or your CFO, whoever it is, fill this out and Pat and I give you all the instructions and videos on how to fill it out, things that you should be doing, strategies on how to be having conversations with your suppliers, your vendors, your customers, and then how to make sure that you have complete visibility into the 90 days of cash. We then also dive into how to to reforecast and revise your 2020-2021 budget so you can build it from the ground up. Make sure that you're still looking at the future so you've got your eye on a new normalized EBITDA and a new valuation, even though the business landscape has changed dramatically. So hopefully you can take a peek at this. 
This is going to be a good, valuable resource as you're figuring out how to get clear right now on what's going on and then get intentional about where you want to go once you get out of this. Second thing Pat and I have done is we have digitized our boot camp, not a replacement for the boot camp because the boot camp is two days that dives into the two case studies that we built up, but we productize the boot camp and just the educational material. So it's five and a half hours, it's 30 plus videos bite-sized videos and all the tools that are tied into it. So that way you can consume the material on how to grow the value of your company with the end in mind. So as you want to know more information about valuations, about different exits, about ways to grow the value of your company, all of this is extremely relevant no matter what business climate is out there. And I would suggest that it's even more valuable now as you're trying to figure out what resources are available to you. So that way you can get out of this and capitalize on the opportunities to come. You can check that out on our website, arcona.io. We have the digital course landing page as well as you. if you wanted one of our help to guide you through that over 30 days, you can also opt in for the guided digital course until the live boot camps become live again towards the end of this year. And then we have secured a bunch of additional team members to be helping with CFO services so that if you need help on your 13-week cash flow, if you need help revising your budget and building out your financial model to figure out where you are right now, we're happy to help on all these different fronts. Feel free to reach out if you need some help. But as far as today's podcast goes, I had a blast. I think you're going to enjoy it a lot. It's a conversation between Elon Jacobson and myself. First of all, Elon's style is very colorful. So be aware that there might be a couple uh, swear words dropped here and there, but he's very, very intelligent and brilliant. He's got an amazing background of financing as well as a degree in genetics. So his style is fun and entertaining, but also very, very rich with experience and insight. I was excited to have Elon back on the show because Elon is the founding partner and CEO of Firepower Capital up in Canada. And he started out as a a small four-person family office and he turned it into a 40-plus strong M&A advisory and private capital powerhouse. He literally provides debt services to private companies. He has a private equity arm as well where he has investments in companies. One of them is one of the largest battle axe throwing companies, which he'll be talking about. And he also does deals. So Elon and I have a conversation about what's going on in the world. What are the new economic norms going to look like? How and when things might bounce back? the high levels of debt that's going on right now and how that's going to impact the recovery and then how the shutdown is impacting businesses of all industries, private equity specifically, and then how today is changing the world of business valuations and multiples and then ways businesses might change post-COVID-19 and the quarantines that are going on. We also talk about how the CARES Act and the stimulus money might be deployed and how different policies are going to impact how people use that money. We talk about corporate incentives and how they could or should change when the companies receive the money so we can avoid some of the some of the negative things after 2008 and 2009 and then what industries might be benefiting from what's going on in the in the shift of businesses and then where the potential opportunities are for value in the marketplace right now the reason i love this episode is because i absolutely in the last couple of years have been geeking out on macroeconomics financial monetary policy i talk a lot about ray dalio and I I just love to see how the big picture works. So Elon and I just have a conversation about it because he's dealing with a high volume of 
entrepreneurs and financial institutions. So it was fun just being able to rally back and forth. And I am a student of how this stuff is going. So as you can probably tell in this interview, it's just a dialogue back and forth and I'm learning as we're going and I'm you know just looking for information about what is Elon seeing, what is other people seeing because I think we all need to be students of the world and business today and the economy because we need to start figuring out what does that new norm look like and then how are you going to be able to pivot your business model and business strategy to make sure that you're set up for success after this. So I hope you enjoy this. It's a little bit different for me because I was just having a dialogue and conversation. It wasn't the the normal interview where they're just telling their story. It was just a conversation about what we all need to be talking about and how we need to be focused on building out new plans and new avenues of success for everybody out there. So without further ado, here's Elon Jacobson, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Sponsored by Arcona's Growth and Exit Boot Camps. Two days jam-packed with material on the five growth and exit principles and the world of mergers and acquisitions. You'll walk away knowing exactly what steps to take to get your target valuation and your best exit option. Two days at Arcona's Boot Camp will give you the clarity to control the rest of your journey as an entrepreneur. Elon, so here we are, and I don't know. I was saving this uh, for the when we hit record, but last time you were on the show, you had a quote that said, and I, I was I didn't look to see when the actual date was. I think it was like a year ago that you were on the show, or maybe a little bit more. But you said if someone doesn't sell soon, they're going to end up selling in seven years for the same price. And yep. I, <laughs> I think I, that reality I, I, is not yeah. here. Look, I did not expect it to take a pandemic for for me for, for for me to look smart, but look, it cycles. I mean, if it wasn't this, something else. And uh, I'm always amazed at how we all look back at everything, you know. And obviously, a pandemic is a different sort of thing to look back at because there was no we don't we don't see this very often in history. But I mean, that being said, we we did see SARS, we did see uh, H1N1, so maybe we should have seen this coming. But uh, we were in the longest bull run in history. I mean, it was just time. So well, and that's what's interesting, and I'm, I'm excited to to dive into some of this stuff with you because I have become a just a junkie on uh, financial mon- and monetary policy and the economics of this stuff as I've been watching the the bull run of private equity firms. I've just been following the money for the for the last few years, and what's interesting to me, Elon, is that it's been a bull run, but there's so much leverage. So you have all this leverage, but then you like, no one expected the, like I expected something to happen, but it would be like, okay, so some people are going to like not have the ability to, to keep financing growth. So like something's going to have to happen, but I didn't expect like in America here or in Canada, like people just aren't doing anything. They're just in home and revenues have dried up, which exposes, exposes debt like crazy. So like I don't know what it, <laughs> what do yeah, you Yeah, but look, the the, the 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 pandemic threw the wrench into the system in a real hard way, but the lack of lubrication was being seen. The squeaks were mm-hmm. were seen before this. I mean, right. you look you look at the the WeWork situation, you look at these kind of earlier stage, you know, unicorns having a more difficult time uh, gaining traction for their uh, their 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 equity raises. I thought that was going to be the impetus for the slowdown. Mm-hmm. I thought what, what was going to happen was all of the uh, you know pension funds who have always kind of uh, you know when, when when they look at their asset allocation, you know, VC is part of that asset allocation. I thought they were going to see a real slowdown in those returns uh, and hence uh, a pullback. And then I thought that uh, these venture capitalists were going to pull away from 
some of these, you know, portfolio companies that were, you know, not their huge winners. And then all the leverage that was in those companies from uh, banks and other institutions that were underwriting uh, the credit of the KKRs of the world mm-hmm. uh, and not the actual underlying assets. I thought that was going to be the canary and I thought that was going to be the start. I mean, who the hell envisioned this being uh, the pandemic? Uh, Bill you know, Gates the, the in rich. 2015, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, I guess so. But it, it's, uh, I, look, this is, this is really, Exasper- you know, uh, it's really shown in a, in a very real way um, the flaws in our system. But mm-hmm. I honestly think those flaws existed prior to us seeing them. Oh no, I and I completely agree with everything you said. And like, and what was interesting to me, Elon, is that like over the, since you and I talked, man, I've been doing a lot of keynotes. So I've like I go into like a CEO peer group community or something like that. So you kind of get a lot of feedback and I know you do a lot of panels and stuff like that. And so you kind of get a lot of, you got a, you got kind of the pulse going in the marketplace. I had this guy come up to me <laughs> and he, he's a, a vet clinic and he goes, yeah, I just got, I, I literally just got an offer an LOI for 14 times EBITDA. Yep. And he was not even the platform company of the PE firm. I'm like, what in the hell, man? <laughs> like, yeah. like, do you have a cure for horse cancer that I'm unaware of or, but what you, you had also another uh, statement that you had said on the last podcast was these, these private equity firms are buying these deals and they're going back in the closet going no chance. <laughs> Cause like when you say this, the flaws in the system, the debt that's been taken out to buy these companies and the leverage is just off the charts. I mean, they can't withstand the shock of losing their, you know, 20% of their revenue for 90 days. They, they knew they couldn't generate the returns historically prior to this, but yeah. this is human nature. I mean, I, I always say I, like everything in business can be explained by the flaws in humans. And when you have a whole bunch of people, and, and, and when I say flaws, I don't mean that these are bad people. I believe that we all, all of us are inherently flawed. You know, we, 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 we are greedy. Uh, we are short-sighted. We are all these things, and sometimes it's just self-preservation. So I don't, mm-hmm. I'm no different than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, the one thing I've been pretty good at is taking a step back and, and seeing, you know, those flaws in a very real way. Maybe it's because I see them in myself. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, and and realistically, you had a whole bunch of private equity executives that make money by placing capital. They had raised a whole bunch of money, and There's, they have to spend it. It's supply and demand. It is what it is. What are you going to tell them to not spend it because they don't think because because they because they want they're not going to generate the same returns? I mean, it, it's so easy to understand mm-hmm. that sets that that self rationalization that says, okay, well maybe it's not twenty one percent return, but it's still sixteen, and that's pretty good. <laughs> well, and like, and what do you say? That like, like the example that we give in our boot camp is like, if you raise a hundred million dollar fund and you're charging two percent for your operating expense, what do you tell someone yeah. that you're charging them two million dollars a year and you haven't spent any of their money? Yep. <laughs> like yeah. And it's none of your money too, so you're gonna spend it. Like, it, yeah. like you're not. Uh, and, and, and quite frankly, a lot of these funds are it's a, the management fees on only called capital, so their management fee goes up as you call the capital. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's, it's even worse than that. You're incentivized <laughs> to call the capital a hundred percent. So it's interesting. Cause like, I I've been seeing this. So I like, you know, everybody's talking about the health, uh, you know, exponential growth of the, the virus, et cetera, which is all extremely important, but I'm looking at the, the economic toll that this is going to potentially have when you have a, you know, 20 to 30% of the revenues just dried up and for, 
the foreseeable future until we can get testing and the they're like in the the ramifications of the PE market or just the leverage buyouts and hasn't been talked about a lot. And then all of a sudden there's this guy on uh, the Wall Street Journal podcast on Thursday talking about it. And I was like, oh, so now someone's actually bringing this up because um, since you and I had chatted, I I found that there's over double the amount of private equity backed companies than there are public in the US. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And this guy's like, Uh, yeah. I'm surprised it's not more than that. I think they're only, honestly, Elon, I think they're only, they gotta be only counting like the big, huge ones, right? Cause like there's little teeny private equity firms that are buying the $10 million companies all day long. And uh, this guy's like, yeah. And again, I think his status probably short. He said it was like 1.2 or $1.3 trillion in leveraged buyouts the leverage buyout market. And I don't know if he was, it was debt and equity or what he was counting there. He thinks a third of them are going to go into default in the next 30 to 60 days. Yeah, it's entirely possible. I mean, you know, think about sectors that aren't hit negatively. There's very few. So, it, it, you know, it, there's, there's a very binary outcome for most businesses. They either do quite well um, because of this disruption or they do very poorly. Um, most, very most, most falling on the very poorly. I mean, I can't think of, very many companies that are business as usual. And I'm sure there are examples of business as usual. I got one. I I got to tell you one because he's a friend of mine and he's a small minority owner at this company. They do, uh, I mean, if I'm going to say it and you're just going to go, well, duh. So they do fitness programs for remote employees. But, but, but no, but I would think that that's, that that's being affected positively. That's what I'm saying. Like, and the, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they added like, the, he, he thinks they added like 20 plus million dollars sure. in enterprise value in the last yeah. like, month. Like I, I look, look at Instacart who just announced 300,000 new jobs. But what I'm saying is that there's very few companies right. unaffected. I totally agree with you. There's, there's no one hitting plan. They're crushing it or they're being crushed. And uh, it's the nature of the beast, I guess, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm as interested in the in the, in the fiscal you know policies that are going to come out of this as I am in the inherent change to human behavior globally because mm-hmm. I think that's the story that's not being told for uh, you know future spending habits and and totally forecasting right. consumer uh, you know spend for the future. I mean, I just don't I don't care if we remounted today, perfectly fine right now. If it all went away, there was a cure. Our December spending is not the same. It just isn't. This is going to scare the shit out of most people, and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna realize that to save. Where do you think it's gonna like? Where where, where do you think it's gonna surface in different areas? What What do you mean by that? Like it's like because I agree with you on the behavioral uh, change on this. I really do. But what are some of the different things that you think are going to bubble to the top that are going to be like significantly different or altered because of it? Yeah, I think uh, level of savings. I think that people are going to get much more disciplined uh, with their use of uh, of leverage. Um, you know, not care as much about these uh, uh, luxury goods. Uh, I could totally see the luxury good market being crushed. And, and quite frankly, a lot of these things are actually really positive. I've, I've forever I thought that uh, that people are completely they're like they're like children. I mean, they're just not able to see the future because you have to be planning for worst case scenarios. I mean, I don't think anyone saw this being the worst case scenario. But, but it's a catalyst, you know, though. Yeah, God forbid you get like anyone could be fired. Right. I mean, you, you should be having three, four months of liquidity so that you're not, uh, you know, in risk of losing your uh, your house that you that you rent or pay the mortgage on. Right. Um, so, so I do see I do see spending habits for anything luxury, you know, vastly uh, you know, r- reduced. Uh, I also see people's willingness to go into very large crowds being um, affected for quite a long time. I mean, 
I'm not actually very scared of catching the virus. I mean, again, you hear this that young people die, but if you look at the statistics closely, if you're a young, healthy person, yes, like you'll hear of a 30 year old who died in Ohio or whatever it is, but that, like the reason that's newsworthy is because it's so rare. Yeah. Um, so I'm not that scared of the virus yet. I don't know how willing I'd be to go to a Raptor game right now and, and not for myself, but because I have older parents and I don't want to have to self isolate for, uh, two weeks, uh, and not see my, my folks. So I think it's, it's, it's more for, uh, the greater good and people are going to have that mentality moving forward. Well, and I, I agree. And I agree. Unless there's like unbelievable in the uh, testing and an abundance of testing everywhere. So you can constantly be testing people because otherwise it's always going to be unknown. Like how can you plan for big events or any of that stuff? Uh, could, and- could, could, could you imagine walking into a 40,000 person stadium and have to be tested? It would take a day and a half for people to get in the fucking stadium. Like even going through the fucking metal detectors these days, the lines could be ridiculous. Now sit it down, fly the swap. It ain't going to happen. It's no. not going to happen. It's just, it's no, not but, feasible. But, but, but testing to the point where like people are in their houses and you can have a test, right? So like before people go there, but then- yeah, well, guess, so, 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 so you are going to trust the yeah, responsibility no, of, of your common man? I mean, come on. Yeah, you're right. Uh, like, there's no <laughs> fucking way. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trusting that shit because we are always, we are always as safe as the lowest common denominator. And I ain't trust the lowest common denominator. And to, so you're, you're essentially saying vaccine pretty much, but even then it's eight, you know, 12, 18 months before, like, how do you, yeah, even... if it comes, if it so comes, then, yeah. you know, it's, um, yeah, man, I, I, I think about, like, so you're talking about the behavioral changes, which I think, you know, even additional ones on top of that is now for the first time, you're going to see businesses that had, you know, they finally had to take the the plunge into virtual communications, right? So how many people are you think are going to go back Elon, and say, okay, 30% of my costs are going to this freaking apartment or this, this, uh, this nice office, office yeah. building with all this bullshit and tied yeah. to it. Like, no, thanks. Or at least can, I mean, like the commercial real estate market's going to be so different. 100%. I think that the, uh, it, 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 and that's where, if you if if you play that game out and 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 you know I've I've gone through many iterations in my head of like where does like where it do stops. the dominoes stop? It's <laughs> um, like, you know, the Federal Reserve. <laughs> like 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 even like where's the fire line? Right? It's 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 quite interesting because you could see that happening in so many different areas out, outside of commercial real estate. I mean, there's so many things that I could think of. Restaurants, people like what people don't even thinking about. It's like okay. We're in our house, so we have to buy groceries and, and actually cook. But there's so many things that come out of that. It's, it's, it's now, okay, now everyone is back in action. They can go to restaurants. But guess what? The 100 million people who didn't know how to cook now know how to fucking cook. So that's yeah. like, that's alone. Know, I'm still doing That alone, like there's so many things that people aren't thinking about. Like we are actually as an entire global uh, population learning new skills. Shifting which is quite, too. which is quite interesting. It's all quite at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Or like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think about the home remodeling, like, honestly, like I went from like, Oh, I you know, I could see myself buying a new house in the next three to, you know, some years. Like why? Like yeah. well, seriously, why? I'm just yeah. going to renovate a bunch of stuff here. I was out doing stuff outside yesterday. Yeah. It's a, uh, it, you know, I, I think about like going back to the commercial real estate. I was talking to a gentleman who owned a bunch of restaurants now he doesn't. And 
he's like, I was you know, very savvy business guy. He's not a typical restaurant owner. And he's like, I was, he was having conversations with his landlord. I'm like, what's going on there? Because the real estate investors, which is, you know, tech, te- technically risk adjusted real estate, commercial real estate compared to businesses. I mean, it's less risky, but now you have, okay, commercial real estate, where you have a third of their, of their rent coming from retail or restaurants. Like how, like, and I was watching cap rates, Elon, that were like looking at like, ba- like basically zero vacancy. <laughs> like you follow the domino and you just go, how to like our, our stimulus package is not even going to come close to touching the damages of this stuff. So, so let's talk about that for a second, because, um, you know, I've followed peripherally what you guys are doing uh, in the, I mean, not even peripherally, I've, I'm following it pretty religiously but not to the same level of detail of reading the policies like I am in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I hear people talking about, you know, they're, they're throwing too much liquidity into the marketplace and it's going to cause inflation. And I'm like, I'm just not, not, really buy, I, I'm totally. not buying it at all. No, I mean, the amount of liquidity that's been wiped off the face of the planet um, I, is a lot, I don't know it, it, is a lot more. I'd be curious you know? to who's saying that because I would love to talk to them because I totally disagree because yeah. like, let's just take some basic facts here is if you have, so the U S GDP is roughly over 2 trillion per month and yeah. a third of that goes away. So like you don't like, this is just a basic bridge loan. That's going to yeah. barely cover the ramifications. Yeah, it's, 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 it's three months. That's all it is. Yeah. And then it didn't all go to those companies either, by the way, yeah. it went so for us, some of it went to some people, some of it went to small businesses, which by the way, like I look at, let's just touch on the small business. So the PPP act right now is $350 billion. So I look at that and I go, okay, how is it going to get to these people? So the, the facts in the U S is there, there are 6 million companies with privately held companies with employees. 94% of them, Elon, are underneath 5 million in revenue. So, yep. and they employ like 65 million Americans and the rest of the people in the 5% uh, employ the other 65 million out of 120 million total underneath 5 million in revenue. They're juggling payroll to payroll. They don't have cash. And so like, yes, last week was April 1st, which is when bills are due. And like, you got to go through all this paperwork and all this bullshit. And like, it's too late. I've juggled cash before. Like you can't get the money to the people fast enough to like, so like, you know, our government came out of program, which was a 75% wage subsidy for the next three months for companies that have had uh, 30% reduction in revenue because of COVID. And I was speaking to someone. I was like, this is, this is fantastic. And he's like, um, I have to pay my March payroll. I then get to apply the, for this thing in, on you know, April 15th. And maybe I get it 30 days later. I'm, I'm six weeks away yeah. from getting that subsidy. I can't make it. Yeah. So, you know, the cash flow cycles and timing are, are as important as the actual dollars. And if you, if you more can't figure out, that. yeah, yeah, you're right. It is more important. I mean, I mean, how, what would I, I mean, I've been in that situation, what people will do to meet their bills. I mean, I was factoring our receivables at one point. I mean, you're yeah. paying insane interest rates. Well, it's either yeah. that or go, go away. <laughs> like what's, yeah. what's your choice? Yeah. The interesting part is what's happening today. That's never really happened because everyone's in the same boat. They've gone and said, I'm just simply not paying. And you know, that's, that's how they're, that's how they're solving for it. They're going to their employees and saying, I just can't pay. I'll accrue it. Uh, you know, once I get the subsidy, I'll, I'll make up for it. Our government, this is, this is how crazy it is. Our government said this, this, this came directly from our finance minister when he announced the 75% wage, wage subsidy. 
he says, you know, someone asked, well, what about the other 25%? And he says, well, we're relying on the good, good citizens of Canada and the business owners to try their best to pay the other 25%. But we know that's not always going to be possible. So they're literally saying, don't pay. <laughs> like it, when that's coming from the government, that's, that's pretty scary. Well, and it, it's, before we keep pulling this thread, I mean, it, this is like the best case study of some supply versus demand economics. Like if people don't wake up and buy shit every day, there is no machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it just, so going back to that inflation point, like how did like this, like the $2 trillion is barely going to unclog the mortgage market, the commercial real estate, the private equity, any of the stuff. And like, I, I don't even know it's like, how does that even, you know what I mean? Do you know what I've also been fascinated with? I've been saying this for years when, you know, Americans tout their democracy. Uh, And we do too, I guess in Canada, but I guess Canadians know that we're a little bit closer to socialism than Americans like to admit. And then when you see this whole thing, you know, boil over, who's coming, who has to come and save the day? It's the government. It's like, I've been saying you're fucking one candidate away from being socialist to begin with. Like, how you think having the choice of schmuck A and schmuck B now makes you a dem- democracy is incredible to me. You know, you're one candidate away. Well, and it. It, it's it's interesting because like all these, you know, to take the corporate executives who are pretty much on the chopping blocks right now. I mean, like I, the one example I have, like, because I fly Delta all the time and like they're they're usually it's a nice plane and like somewhat good service, but like they just dick with you when it comes to like changing your seat and it's 250 bucks and 90% of their cash went to stock buybacks for the last 11 years. So they have no cash, which is their fault because all these corporate executives are insanely wealthy from it. No cash. And the, and they're just going, okay, sorry. Well, we're utility. So government pay us. And you're just like, well, that like, so here you are, yeah. this raging capitalist, but then you were just assuming that you're going to be socialized. I mean, the, the government's just going to buy you up, which is, yeah. it just, <laughs> it's tongue in cheek, man. And, and the problem is we never learn. We're so fucking stupid. Like, that's the problem with humans. We're so fucking stupid. Like, we, like we, 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 we just don't learn our lessons. Uh, and, and unfortunately, I don't think we ever will. So g- give me a couple examples of that. Like, what do you mean? Like, where, you, where, saw, you, you saw what happened in 08. You, you, you knew that you should have a nest egg. You knew you should save. What happens? Debt per capita increases. I mean, like, like we, we, we don't learn from any of our mistakes. You know, the, the fact that we allowed corporate buybacks is fucking insane. That is insane. And in hindsight, like, I wasn't looking at it, but I guess it's not my job to look at it, right? It should have been, been someone's job to look at it and ensure that these fucking companies had a nest egg that they could fall back on if something you know god forbid forget about pandemic it would have could have been another oh wait it could have been something how about innovation just innovate do yeah. something with your money and like yeah. it, it, it what i saw last year in 2019 95 of the valuation increase came from corporate buybacks yeah it's crazy and you're just like okay so no one invented anything new no one increased their cash flow. I mean, um, no one. I mean, this is a generalization, but like the general bell curve, they didn't. And so it's like, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and yeah, we're, we're just dumb. I mean, like we're, we're fucking semi-evolved monkeys. That's all we are. I mean, even even uh, I watched Cuomo speak today and he was, you know, imploring people to stay indoors. And I know it's nice weather. I mean, guys, like this is the problem. Lowest common denominator. Everyone is selfish. 
No one's thinking about anyone but themselves. Like, it's nice outside. I've been cooped up indoors. I want to go outside. Fuck everyone else. Well, <laughs> the, we, 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 we have too many people that it doesn't take a lot of those kinds of human beings to land up in a really bad spot. You know, it, it just, it is what it is. I, uh, I had a maintenance guy come over to fix some, uh, some roof leaking and like fairly okay. I mean, okay. I, social distancing, all this stuff. Like you don't have to, we don't have to even interact like go on my roof, fix some stuff and leave. Like that's as easy as it could be. He rang the door, but wanted to shake my hand. I'm like, dude, <laughs> like, like you get away from me. Like you yeah. know, he had no idea there was anything even going on. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, what was I going to say? It's so, like, interesting. You talk about the luxury goods and all this stuff. I, like, I think it's going to be interesting when you see the amount of these, whether it's pension funds or private equity or VC or any of these, uh, and these financial institutions, what is recorded as assets right now that yeah. really shouldn't be. I mean, I, I've been saying for the last like three years now, I said, because here's here, here was my prediction. And I, this is the first time it's actually going to be on the record because I'm terrified of like <laughs> just just being so unbelievably wrong that it's not worth what we're saying. It, but it was like, I thought it was going to come from consumer financing. So in, in the US right now, we've had consumer financing. There's this bank called Syncricity. And like they, they advertising on an MSNBC how to finance a chair and a lamp. And it's the bank, it's the consumer financing behind like home furniture and Amazon. And it's like, it's stated, it's stated income on consumer financing. And the same thing that's been going on for the last decade with GM financial and Ford financial. So it's state, you can buy an $80,000 vehicle on stated income based on your FICO score and an 85 month loan. (laughs) And, and all these, uh, their assets on the books. So if you look at Ford Financial, GM Financial, and Syncricity, their assets and the value of their book have, has gone through the roof. And it's like, they're not going to pay, people aren't going to pay those bills. You know, $1,200 car payment. I mean, when they can't do anything else and they've got no income. Yeah. No, I, I look, it's, uh, that's been a problem for a long time. I mean, Canada's use of personal debt is even higher, I think, per capita than the US. So is it it's, really? uh, yeah, it's pretty scary. But yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. But, uh, you know, that being said, I mean, you know, we've we've been watching social media and and the media in general for the last few weeks, and this is what we hear a lot about. But you know, what what, what I do want to say during this podcast is it's not all doom and gloom. Like there there are still opportunities. It is still important to realize that life will go on and that things will get back to normal, and that the media and social media are doing a very fucking bad disservice to everyone because it's all it's doing is just uh, amplifying the panic. yeah it's just and like look the media wants eyeballs they don't give a shit who it hurts they don't give a shit about the ptsd that it causes Mm -hmm. it's human fucking greed right i mean it's uh supply and demand and uh and so like let's 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 pull let's pull the the optimism thread for a while because i think it's a good idea um so um i just got off a call with a a good friend and um business associate of ours that does you know we do a lot of valuation work with our clients and you know whether it's for indication of interest or third parties or ESOPs and people are having a hard time trying to figure out, I mean, they got internal valuations and just stuff on hold because they don't even know how to redo the forecasting. But I think when you look at this and especially depending on the age of the appetite or the energy as an entrepreneur, there is going to be a lot of opportunity when this happens. Right. So I'm going to script the word, you know, with Darwinism, I mean, like it's going to flush out the last 
third of people. So then how do you come out of this with the right model and in, in the right model being not indulging in all the leverage and the insanity that wouldn't ha- happen before, right? So like when you're having conversations with people that are doing deals, what's, what's, what's the dialogue going on? What are you suggesting? What are the people that are doing things right? What are they doing? I, I think it is so situational. Good, good companies, even though they're being hit right now, are still going to be good companies. Bad companies that should have never existed and should have never gotten that funding should go away. Um, so let go of the garbage and double down on, on, on your macro theses. Uh, I don't think it's that difficult to like, use COVID as a very good uh, barometer of what a good company should look like. Because if, it, if, if it's okay when we come out of this and we're still social distancing and we're still being cautious, it's probably great long term. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and if it's completely destroyed right now and you can't see it improving anytime soon, think about whether it should have existed in the first place. I mean, how many, how many fucking CRMs did we need, to be honest with you? Right. I mean, I mean, how, 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 how many ERPs did we need? How many of these fucking, you know, software companies do we need? And it was just because people jumping on the train, easy access to capital, you know, quick, cheap uh, to get started but where they really needed it was just someone who decided in their head that i also want to be an entrepreneur and a rock star um and i don't want to work for the man and a lot of those even, companies sh- shouldn't add, have ever existed i would even add it to like so the different like industries and the different things like you just mentioned but i would also say like now is the time to do the right kind of work right so you can be a good company and like honestly, Elon, as we so we've been uh, evolving our business over the last twelve to eighteen months since we spoke last, where we have this educational boot camp, but then our ongoing services is fractional CFO services with people, and then helping them connect all the dots to value growth, etc. But we come in as the the fractional CFO, and like the financials are such a mess. I can't even mm-hmm. believe. I mean, I can I can't count one person that has ever built a thirteen week cash flow statement up until recently. Yeah. Or like the fact that, so we've got this ongoing model where it's a trailing 12 month, but you put, you tie all three financial statements together. I mean, it's like the only kind of way you got visibility in your business, but like people aren't doing this stuff. And so like the amount of people, like if they can do this kind of like, look, it's right. It's hard work, but it's necessary. It's not that complicated <laughs> and people yeah. just do it. So I think to your point of you could take, you know, 10 companies in the same industry, that's might be a valuable industry, but they're not doing the, just the normal hard discipline work. And-, yeah, and, and you can extend that to a lot of different parts of the business. I mean, supply chain as an example, uh, you know, we, we've taken for granted the, the ease of goods moving in a supply chain. Well, I know a lot of companies that they still had demand for their product, but their whole supply chain got fucked up and now they're in the same boat because uh, they relied on, 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 one, on, on one supplier. So having, having really good contingency plans around having a diversified supply chain uh, network is going to be incredibly important. Uh, unfortunately, what I think might happen is that it might rebound too far, and we'll see, you know, tribalism, and uh, you know, it, it'll all come back on shore, which is also not the right result. I mean, maybe so tribalism. Trump- you, mean, you mean that the fact that we're going to there's going to be too many people opposing China off offshore manufacturing? Yeah, it'll just be about like us and us versus them, right? You know, it'll 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 be the exact opposite of globalization, which is taken more po- more people out of poverty than anything in, in the history of mankind. So I, I, I would think that that uh, reversal would be a, uh, a really bad outcome. There's a, do you follow Ray Dalio at all? 
No, I know the name, but no. I'll have to send you some uh, the, the, for the listeners too. There's a uh, he's he's got on his LinkedIn posts. I mean, like I think the last one I popped up from last week is it's called the Changing World Order. I mean, it was 25 pages, his LinkedIn article. Wow. <laughs> I mean, so, but he, the reason I bring it up, he talks about the fact that we're in this long-term debt cycle and this happened and we've got the populist movement going on. So us versus them and the inequality. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff that this pandemic is exacerbating. So I think to your point about the tribalism and nationalism, I mean, I think there's a, it's a, it's a challenge. I mean, especially when I think a lot of these global leaders need to be sitting down together because like, this is a, this is a global problem. I mean, like the, the, the central banks in all the developed countries need to talk to each other because this is an experiment we've never run before. <laughs> like with yeah. the printing of money. Yeah, no, I agree. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting how uh, to see how we come together as, as a global species. And if we do, you know, I could, I could already see the writing on the wall, uh, the questions being asked by media of, you know, how should we respond to China? Look, I, I understand the anger, you know, but th- what's that going to solve, really? Like an eye for an eye has been proven to be a bad strategy. And they didn't do um, it on purpose. That no, we they, <laughs> no, they didn't. I mean, you know, it's easy to be angry about, you know, how could they have not cracked down more on these wet markets? I mean, it, if, 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 I mean, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, I, I think all we should do is is have empathy for for people in general, and, and I'm and I'm hoping that uh, that we come out of this with a different attitude. And and taking it back to business and building better businesses for a second, you know, we talked about supply chain, we talked about finance. It's also about it's talking about attitude, and what I mean by that is, you know, everyone was, you know, it's growth, growth, growth. You know, public companies quarterly growth, quarterly growth, quarterly growth. What about stability? What about just good businesses? What's the value in building a really good business? And and I think we got to get back to that uh, to, to some degree, and and not have to take to undue undue risks just because you're chasing something that maybe you don't need to be chasing. Well, I, I totally agree. Have you, um, there's a book called Conscious Capitalism that is like one of my business bibles. It's amazing. It just talks about taking all your stakeholders into consideration. And, and so it's not just all about the return. And like, I mean, there, it's a fantastic book. And the, uh, what I think is interesting is like the privately held companies are able to do that, Elon, or where they're able to take long-term bets on employees or investments or locations or products or services because they believe in it. They believe in it them and they believe in their employees and their supply chain and all that. It's conscious capitalism. Like it's a, it's a must, it's a must listen to. And, and when I think about what we see from the greed and the, the over leveraging and the incorrect risk adjusted rate of return, right? So for someone to be able to leverage up to seven to eight times EBITDA, a big company is just insane. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and what is dry? Like, so you have the, the privately held founders that can play the long game, but you have too much of a short game. People trying to get rich on the quarterly earnings or like with the private equity market because the pension funds and these insurance companies endowments are so SOL with the returns that they're getting. How do you stop that, that Petri dish from happening? You know what I mean? It's, it's never going to change. Unfortunately, Ryan, <laughs> I, I, I wish, I, I wish I had a better answer for you. Um, the reality is uh, greed will never go away. I know um, that, but it's like, but it comes down to like the systemic issues, right? Of like how, I mean, 
it's the big, big, but like pools of capital that are driving that, right? I mean, yeah. I look, I, 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 I think at the end of the day, I think it's going to come down to hopefully us coming out of here with a bit more personal responsibility and and wanting to build a better economy for for everyone involved. Um, you know, maybe that's wishful thinking. I think I think from a from a policy standpoint, it's difficult to bridge the gap of what you're talking about with the religion of capitalism. You know, the religion of capitalism is just too strong. Uh, you're, 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 I think, I think that's a losing battle, honestly. So like in just for clarification too, in the, the conscious capitalism, it's more of like, it is. And that's what Ray Dalio talks about. It's like, it's capitalism, but it's like capitalism for the long term. We're mm-hmm. like, you know that investing in education is going to drive everybody back. I mean, but that's you know it's a fifteen year return or more. So 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 so, so are you going to take a pay cut to do that? That's what I'm saying. You're going to get the long term and the short term. And then you're going to convince hundred million other people to take that that pay cut. What do you mean by pay cut? Well, just the the money has to come from somewhere, right? So so mm-hmm. if you're a large corporation and and you can be investing in things for long term growth that are are prudent. But it's going to depress the quarterly returns for the next uh, three years. Okay. Yeah. No, I agree. Which, with which, that. Yeah. which means that your entire executive team is not going to get the bonuses that they could have gotten. Which means that all the people that work within that organization are not going to get the raises that they could have gotten if that cash was on the books. Now, convince that machine to do it. Oh, I know. I agree. I do agree with you. Yeah. But why is China winning? China's winning because they don't have to give a fuck about four-year terms. They got a hundred-year right? plan. Like, and, and look, I'm not saying that there's pros and cons to everything. Yeah. But just but mechanically what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. They don't, they don't have to worry about a four-year you know, political cycle. So they can make long-term bets. And it's what's driven their success thus far. But that comes from an incredibly, uh, di- you know, yeah, dictatorial, dip- oppressed uh, you know, lack of freedom, uh, you know, all those things. So it's like, what do you value more? And there is no good answer. It's a, it's a seesaw. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and unfortunately you can't have everything. I mean, yep. I would, I would love to eat cake all day, but I also don't want to be a fat pig and die at 50. Right. <laughs> so it, 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 it's like, we, 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 we have these trade-offs in, in every part of our lives. And it is about us as a, as a human species becoming more personally responsible it, it it always has to come down to the individual level because without without systemic change in 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 our thought process fucking nothing's going to change and, 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 and in that way i think the pandemic might like if we can look at the positive outcome of it because of course you know ten thousand plus people right now in u.s alone dead is like it's horrendous so you don't want to talk about the positives that come out of something that negative. But the reality is we have to start talking about what we can take that is positive from this incredibly negative situation. Well, and you've, you said it earlier, and it is. I, I agree with you. But it, it's another monumental challenge, just like you know, removing the machine in the capitalist machine. Because all this stuff relies on human beings. You know, and, I mean, yep. like, and behavior is the most challenging thing to change. Yes, we are changing behavior because we're forced to right now, but like that doesn't mean it's going to be easier. I mean, humans are short-term animals. I mean, 
I read this book and it puts such things into perspective. It's called, it's called misbehaving is by the, the father of social or behavioral economics. And he said that statistically proven that the average human being will take $800 today instead of a thousand dollars at the end of the last week or end of next week. Well, that's the opposite of compound interest, which just shows you like, it's not just, it's not just not doing it. It's the opposite. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite of benefit, benefiting that individual. And that's from saving to eating to discipline. I mean, shit is hard work that gives you a return. I just yep. don't think there's any other way to say that. And I just don't know how we can create that kind of good long-term behaviors in, in people. Ryan, I'm going to remind you and, and you know, my, my podcast that I'm starting, as, as you know, is called uh, a deal maker's DNA. And, uh, and the reason it's called that is my background is actually in genetics. That's what I studied before entering the business world. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm not going to get into a religious discussion, but I do believe in evolution. Yeah. And uh, if you believe in evolution, throw a monkey a banana and tell it not to eat it and tell, it to, you know, to, to, to tell, tell the monkey that if you don't eat it now, I'll give you two. I mean, <laughs> look, we're, we're not monkeys, but we're pretty close. Yeah. And, and sometimes we need, you know, that's why government exists is, is, is we need other human beings to police the, you know, the, the, the masses it just is what it is. So to make this actionable from some entrepreneurs that are out there listening to yep. this going, okay, what in the hell do I do with this? People that hopefully have got some revenue coming in, they've got a dip of 20, 30%. Like, you know, you're, yep. you know, your business, you're seeing buyers and sellers. What's the chatter happening with you? Like, where are you seeing people that are interested still in doing deals? Have valuations changed? What, what's kind of your take on it? Yeah. I, again, it's so situational. There are some buyers that are unaffected looking at it as an absolute perfect time. I don't want to use the word opportunistic because no one wants to use that word, but let's just call it, let's call it spade a spade, yep. opportunistic. Um, you know, and, and there are some, uh, sellers that are desperate that need to sell and you, you, you we're still going to see deals getting done. I think that the quantity is going to be drastically, drastically lower. I mean, I think 80% plus down in deal volumes for how long do you think through the summer? I think things start picking up in Q3 it, it realistically, I think people come back to the table at the end of summer and then you got 90 days of due diligence. So I think you'll like deals will start happening in the background August September, but I think that you'll see Q4 deals closing and and still not back to even close to regular volumes. And then Q1, Q2 of next year. I, look, my forecast is that Q2 of next year, which will be you know total rebound and hopefully we have a vaccine. I think it'll be fifty to seventy five percent volumes of what it is. Uh, you know, historically. So, how about valuation still, adjustments? Yeah, you, you know what depends on the depends on the on the on on the, the the deals you're talking about. You know, the one thing that's been an interesting thing for me to watch is that the lower mid market has continuously done a pretty good job of policing itself from a supply and demand curve. And I have in Canada in particular, we haven't seen multiples get to these crazy, uh, you know, the, the multiples that that you're seeing in the U.S. in the PE space. You know, and, and that's just simply supply and demand. You know, if people are looking to pick up 10 million plus in EBITDA, are you really going to bid 10 times on a million dollar EBITDA company? Those companies have historically, no matter what, always really gotten that four to six times EBITDA. So I don't think multiples uh, no are. That's what people, that's what you get for a 10 million, or 10 million in EBITDA is four to six up. No, 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 million, million. I that, mean, to, 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 
10 million in EBITDA, you're getting 10 plus. Yeah, okay. Uh, multiple. Oh, but, I see even four to six EBITDA guy got to get Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I think that for these smaller deals, which makes up the, the majority of the companies, yep. right? It doesn't make up the majority of the, the earnings deal. and yeah. revenues, but the companies, I, I, I don't know if that's going to be affected too much from a, from a multiple standpoint, but these larger transactions and, you know, PE backed, you know, end of their life cycle, now they've built these big businesses expecting that same multiple that they that they bought in at gone. That that ain't that ain't coming back anytime soon. Hopefully never, to be honest with you. I think what that, do you think they're gonna do, Elon, when they've got to go back to their investors and just be like Yeah, but the, the, there was there was too much money raised in the PE sector to begin with. So hopefully it right sizes. That's, well, that's what I'm hopefully so it right the, sizes. The, so the, I agree with you, but the biggest problem in the, that I see in the US is that's coming from people's pension funds. So they're like mm-hmm it's already an effed up situation because yep. the people that need the goddamn retirements are not going to be able to get them because the pension funds, first of all, they saw their stock value drop again. And last time they, instead of piling back in the stock market, they piled it back into the private sector. And now that that is, I just like, it just looks like a train. Wreck. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Look, you, you, you'll just write another trillion dollar check. It'll all be solved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I hope I hope we don't have to have another podcast where that blow that machine blows up. Yeah, yeah. Any 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 uh, places in particular that you see investors or buyers looking and seeing actual value right now? Um, yeah. I mean, uh, sectors that support remote uh, working. You know, I, I think that that's uh, that's very interesting. I think uh, it, it, online healthcare. You know, some of these sectors that should have gotten traction. But the system itself prevented it. I mean, our mm-hmm. our healthcare education. system, yeah, edu- edu- education. Uh, you know, our healthcare system, our, our our educational system, have been very slow at adopting technology, and they just haven't had their hand forced. Now they are. Yep. So I think I think that that's actually a, a really positive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that paying fifty thousand dollars for a piece of paper that says you know more than the person next to you, and really, <laughs> you just you just paid more than the person next to you, is fucking silly. So uh, I'm hoping that that is a, is a great place that people can be uh, investing in. Um, and quite frankly, I, I trust online-driven programs that are utilizing cutting-edge tech in how people's brain mechanics work over some antiquated system that has a teacher stand up in front of the class. You don't even know what the hell you're absorbing. You know, there's no attendance. I mean, I don't know about you. I didn't go to fucking class. I just I, I drank and smoked weed. That's basically what I did in university, and then, and then <laughs> crammed and, and then crammed for exams. <laughs> I feel like we would have slightly been some uh, close friends back in college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So look, I think that's great. I think healthcare. You know, I, I read an article this morning, and my brother is a, uh, a pediatric emergency doctor uh, in Toronto, and he was saying he's like, you know, the chatter internally is the idea of having a, a practice where people come to visit their doctor forever forever is going to be radically changed. And uh, the utilization of, of exactly. telemedicine and video medicine is, is, is absolutely going to become the norm. And, you know, having the ability to see a patient face to face will be for the odd case. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be for the exception. So I think that infrastructure that supports that will be uh, essential. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, you know, basics, you know, like, I, I love. I still love the thesis of uh, of, of grocery, right? I, I still love the thesis of you know in home entertainment. I think Netflix. This is the greatest thing ever to happen to uh, to, to to Netflix. 
I mean, you know, you look at the, the, the likes of Zoom, it'll be, uh, you know, I don't know if you've seen Facebook Portal. I think Facebook Portal device is fucking mm-hmm. incredible. Take a look at it. We have one from our, for our home. It's like an immersive camera that moves around the room and attaches to your Facebook uh, video or, or WhatsApp and allows. So, so when we have, when I'm preparing dinner, I'm linked in with my mother and my brother and we're all making dinner together and the camera is following us and we can have a much more kind of social experience than holding the camera in front of us. It's, it's incredible. So, Oh my I, God, I, that's I, so necessary. I'm so like my wife and I'm so sick of holding my wife holds up the, the, the FaceTime for you need our to, father. And the, yeah, yeah. It's just like, take, I'm not holding the camera up anymore. <laughs> Buy yourself a Facebook portal. Do yourself a favor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's awesome. It's incredible. So, so, so look there, there are people that are trying to, you know, fix the problem or, or at least make our lives in kind of isolation uh, more tolerable. Because I think that, you know, I don't want to leave this on, 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 a, on a bum note, but the reality is, is we are going to have to have a far better system of preparedness for the next time. Because we had our warning shots with SARS we had and H1N1. We didn't learn our lesson and something worse came. And it's not going to go away. It's, uh, we just need to be able to respond quicker and, and have uh, the ability to have people be isolated more often if it's needed. So look, there's a lot of opportunity and, and, and look, a lot of the traditional companies, I mean, the banking system, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, Visa, I saw Visa get destroyed in the markets. It's had a bit of a bounce back. Like it's not going to go anywhere. There's still great institutions that we rely on um, for our lives to be our lives. Um, you know, even when you look at restaurants, you know, I look, if, if you look at a stock like um, Cheesecake Factory, you know, the, the, the hit that that stock took is incredible. Like, are, are they going to not reopen? I, I don't think that that's the case. I really don't. I think that we're incredible. Like for all the things that I talked about negatively about humans, we're also incredibly resilient. We're right, incredibly think- adaptable. I think what, you know, to your point about the cheesecake factor or any other business like that, I think what is a, what is a common theme is, I mean, if we're going back to human instincts, I mean, people, when, when the, the, whatever the openings look like and what the new norm looks like, people will go out and do stuff. People are social creatures. Sure. They, they need to be social. And so a cheesecake factor goes under, it has to do with their corporate structure and the debt. It has nothing to do with whether people want it or yeah. not. So you yep. could open it up on a new name, but like yep. people will go out and they still want to do stuff. People yeah. like to eat, drink, be merry, and hang out with people. You know, everyone said, you know, you're going to see a much slower adoption. And I even said this earlier about sporting events, because I truly do believe we will see that. But I looked at articles this morning, and I saw pictures of tourist sites in China, and they're fucking rammed. You know, as they've lifted this quarantine, they are um, doing testing before they walk in. Yeah, yeah, but again, to to take your analogy, they've probably got some like home system where you're not allowed to walk out the door. You'll be arrested unless you take a test. And and the beautiful thing is, they could shoot you in the fucking head and get away with it. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. So it's a little bit different than uh, in your example of us trusting common folk. I mean, that's a little bit, a little bit different. I hear you. I hear you. But look. We are social beings. I mean, we have enough evidence to, to support the fact that we go crazy without social interaction. I mean, it just is what it is. So uh, it's, that's not going to change. We, we require that to be healthy. And uh, look, for all of our faults, we got one planet, we got, you know, one group of humans on the planet right now. It's not going anywhere. We're going to have some pain, but it will uh, go back to 
normal or whatever the new normal is. And you will be able to smile again. You will be able to laugh again. You will be able to hug your parents and your kids and your, you know, your grandkids. Like we are an incredibly, incredibly resilient species. There's a reason we've dominated so much. And there's a reason why we've done so, so, so many poor things to other species is because we are incredibly powerful. And, uh, I, I, I do at the end of the day after, you know, and this might surprise people hearing this podcast at the end of the day, I still believe in the human spirit. I mm-hmm. still believe in human ingenuity. Um, I still believe in the human, you know, desire to, to love and love back. And, and I, and I don't want people who look at some of these examples to view that to the lens of that being the norm. It is the outlier. And, uh, I would implore people to double down on their empathy for, you know, their, their, their neighbor and, uh, and use this as an opportunity to, uh, to talk about what we can do. Uh, from a, from 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 the lens of selfless selflessness as opposed to selfishness. So, and I think you know, and that's very well stated. I, I also think it's it's a time to reprioritize and recalibrate. You know, where are you putting your money, and what? Because where you put your money also impacts where you put your time. And you know, there's a lot of people that were stretched thin for time, stretched thin for money. They had too many different people that they were beholden to. Now it's like, hey, like let's put value in the things that are valuable. Right, that can yeah. that, that, that mean it because then you can actually enjoy it. I think it's uh, it's a good point. So yeah. you've got your own podcast. We're going to be putting this episode on both. So why don't you give yeah. my, my listeners a little bit about your podcast and your and where the, where to find you and what you what uh, resources you got available? Yeah, so I mean, look, the best way to find me right now is just on LinkedIn. It's Elon Jacobson. I don't think there's very many of us on the planet, so it won't be too difficult to find me. Um, you know, as I said, my podcast is called The Dealmaker's DNA. You know, not uh, not too dissimilar to to to, to your flow. It, it's it's just kind of off the cuff. Have a conversation. I, the, I want to speak about um, entrepreneurship and business through the lens of uh, a, a bit of uh, DNA. And, and what I mean by that is, uh, I'm a big believer in having the argument of nature versus nurture because I don't believe you could be anything you want to be. Um, I believe that self awareness and authenticity are. Uh, two of the most important traits that are lacking in today's society. Uh, you know, as, as much as I would have put my mind to being a professional athlete growing up, it ain't the fucking cards. And, uh, you know, you cannot be anything you want to be. And, uh, I'm, I'm a big believer that that's okay. And I'm a big believer in double, doubling down on your strengths. And, uh, I think that you can kind of have an easier time looking internally by seeing other people go through the exercise of looking internally and telling their story. So that's really what I'm trying to accomplish uh, awesome. during uh, during our podcast. So so yeah, thanks thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it. It's been a blast. I'm glad uh, we got to reconvene on this. It's been fun. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed that episode. There's lots to learn out there and there's lots of resources that we need to be pulling in so that way you can start synthesizing the new norm and how it's going to impact your business and where you need to go with your future strategies. If there's one big takeaway, it is check out our Mastering Your Cash Flow mini course. Check out the digital course for the Intentional Growth Bootcamp. And if you want help to get clear, get intentional, get going, check out a couple of these different resources because you need to be able to get a handle on your cash 
how to revise your forecast and your budget, what is the new way that you can obtain the normalized EBITDA that you want, and then how are you going to grow value to still get what you want. That is the main goal. Yes, everybody got smacked in the face and your plans might have changed, but it's up to you to get a handle get a handle on where you are right now, build a plan, revise it, and then let's capitalize on the opportunities to come. So check out our website, reach out to us if you want help understanding your financials, understanding your cash, how to revise and rebuild that plan that is going to get you what you want. So until next week, stay safe, start working on your future plan and let us know if you need any help.